I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us in the Walk in My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show in the world, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Melanie Durant. She is an award-winning R&B singer, combining her unique writing style, smooth harmonies, and bold sound. Melanie has helped shape Canada's diverse soundscape. The three-time Juno-nominated artist travels the country, headlining festivals and working alongside Canada's top artists. Melanie is also no stranger to international audiences, taking the stage with Jay-Z, 50 Cent, Alicia Keys, David Banner, Jill Scott, Common, and much more. So please welcome to the show, Melanie Durant. Hello. Hi, everybody. How are you doing this morning? I am good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. A little tired, but I'm good. I'm awake. I've painted myself awake. It's a good day. It's when in doubt, day. put on lots of makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And for, for those who are listening, um, I am looking at Melanie right now. She is absolutely gorgeous. Like, I love her hair. She is just oh, glowing. You. So although she's tired, she is glowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I love to start the show with an icebreaker question though. Because I love to get to know who you um were before you got to where you are today. I believe like, you know, as as kids, we have these vivid imaginations of who we want to be and what we want to do when we grow up and all these things and then society starts to limit our beliefs and tell us to be realistic and even people who love us limit what we say we want to be and what we want to do. So before you got to where you are presently, I would love to know, what did you want to be as a little girl? A singer, always 100%. I sang in kindergarten for show and tell. I was the angel on the Christmas tree in the pageant, which was my first solo. And I sang in church and my mom is a singer and always has been a singer, hasn't done anything but. So I mean, we do a show together and we get on stage, Tina Turner, Donna Summer, Diana Ross and the Screams, Aretha Franklin, some Whitney Houston. Um, did I see Aretha Franklin? Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, Martha Reeves. We do a bunch of stuff, different shows for different situations. We have the Lovely Ladies of Soul. We have um, Simply the Best, which is the Tina Turner show. And then we have a mashup of three 45-minute sets that we do for casinos, corporate parties, and like the whole shebang, Christmas parties. We do a lot of work in the States and festivals and stuff here. And uh, we've been to Japan. You know, there's planes with Pikachu on them in Japan, like all Japanimation. Like you're looking out the window, like this is awesome. Like drinking it all in with your eyes. 
Traveling is amazing. And I 100% miss traveling. And I 100% miss the crowds because we're not back to normal life by any means. Mm-hmm. Vaccinated or unvaccinated, nobody's got their lives back. So, I mean, I'm excited for when it finally happens. And we have been called for shows and stuff like that. But when there, we don't know what's going on over the border. We don't know what we're going to encounter trying to yeah. cross the border. Crossing the border has not been the same since 9-11. Right. It's it's just gone total haywire. And they went from waving at us and asking us to sing for them to up against the wall. It's like, whoa. <laughs> that got intense. Meanwhile, they've been seeing us for years coming through. And I used to be, here comes Tina. Hey, Miss Melanie. And then, no, no. Same people, but with a different supervisor. Just looking like, we're sorry. Is In their eyes, is, we're sorry, but we can't do nothing. It's like, okay, no problem. Follow the rules. But it's like, it's it's getting worse. So it's like, if crossing the border is giving us anxiety, ain't nobody want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're going to have fun after we're terrorized, okay? It'll be yeah. fine after we're terrorized. Yeah, it totally messes with the vibe, messes with the energy. 100%. Performing is 100% energy. You give and you get back, right? Yeah. And it's like, if you're in a bad space what are you giving the audience right exactly exactly it's the same with like public speaking and stuff like that it's it's the energy i totally get it but Mm -hmm. i love the fact that you've always wanted to be a singer and you're still doing that today you haven't let society or other people or anything deter you from your dreams and your passion like i absolutely love that like thank you i recall reading um when you were a little girl that you you know used to open for your mom yes (laughs) yes what um, was that like Well, when I was a little girl, my mom would be doing a lot of clubs and bars and stuff like that. And when she did like a dinner situation a few times where I was allowed to come because it wasn't just a bar, um, she said, come on, come on. Do you want to introduce the show? And I I must have been brave because I was like, yeah, I want to do it. (laughs) And I took the mic and I was like, ladies and gentlemen, introducing Miss Carrie Durant. <laughs> it's like I was doing the Muppet Show or something. Like I didn't put it into perspective what I was doing. But I was like, I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to announce my mom, and here we go. You know the yeah. excitement and the innocence of a child. Yeah. I remember that feeling, and I remember doing it, and I remember trying to deliver what I was feeling inside. So I guess knowing that, I think I did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love but I might it. be biased. You know, I am talking about myself. It's like, I was amazing. You should have saw me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure that required like some type of, well, obviously it required courage, even as a little girl to get up there in front of other people. Like I'm someone, as much as I do public speaking now and I'm able to be on stage, that took a lot. And I still get anxiety when I have to do that. So I wasn't always that way. So for you to, you know, start out that way and then just gain that comfort of being on stage and being in front of others and entertaining and connecting with the energy, like that's, that's a big deal. You know what? I did start off that way. And then it started to go down. It started to go down. I actually am very shy by nature. And uh, I, I don't really like to talk to people. <laughs> I mean, I'm better <laughs> now as an adult, but I, I know that I remember my mom taking me for donuts and her getting me out of my shell was her telling me that if I wanted another donut, I had to go ask the lady for it. And I remember breaking down into tears because I was so afraid. And at this point, I was like maybe 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't want to talk to anybody. But you know what? 
being a child that sings is is very hard or a child who's um in any kind of entertainment and you're outgoing and you know because at first the kids are uh, they gravitate towards you and they want to be your friend and then they discover what you can do and then uh then you turn into the show off and everybody hates you oh they're a show off they're a show off like kids are brutal yeah so then you start to go into yourself like oh i'm doing too much but meanwhile they asked you to do this in the first place yeah. right yeah so it was tough and it took a while to get back my confidence uh, in, uh, I think I was a teenager at the time. Yeah. I must've been if I was crying at 13 because I didn't want to ask for donuts, but um, <laughs> it took a while. And you know what? There is different situations where you become afraid and you get stage fright, but your body will handle it in different ways. Like mm. I remember doing a show and I did everything I was supposed to do, but my knees were wobbling and I didn't realize it until afterwards when um actually divine earth essence was or divine brown sorry at the time but divine brown was in the show and she was playing bass yeah, i don't know who knows this but she plays bass she's a really a uh, great person great musician wonderful friend but she says eh, eh, watch how melanie leg them are knock <laughs> I was like, oh my god she told me after <laughs> that was hilarious bro <laughs> Oh my gosh. But wow. I didn't know. I just went through the motions, but it was a, a huge, what was it? The Roy Thompson hall. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge theater, a huge audience. And I'm not singing backup for my mom at this point. I'm doing originals and covers and, you know, it was a showcase. I mean, I knew what I was supposed to do. I sang for people before, but to actually get out there and deliver by myself, you know, mm -hmm. there's a band, but the bands back there, they're not, you know, they stand behind you, not beside you or in front of you. Right. You are the front person. And it was one of the first times that I was doing it totally alone. It freaked me out. So, okay, so but tell us. You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell except for the knees. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you went through that phase where, you know, the confidence went down and you were able to build it back up. Was there anything in particular that you felt that you had to do to regain that confidence? I think it was experience is what really, you know, the more you do it, the more you get comfortable and you start mm -hmm. to listen to your body, like, and listen to, you know, what's next. I think everybody's different and everybody's body deals with things differently. Mm -hmm. You know, um, nerves is, is very interesting and intricate. You know, at first it was my, my stomach and I, a little bit of anxiety in my chest, you know, and anticipation of getting on the stage and what's going to happen because there's no script that you can make that's going to carry you through. Things yeah. are going to happen where yeah. you have to actually be in the moment, acknowledge what's happened and just forget the script. Scripts yeah. are, you can come off as contrived and whatnot. You just got to be yourself and share yourself. And that way you're going to go over because people's going to connect with your realness and your honesty. Yeah. So I had to just kind of stop worrying about what might happen and, and stop worrying about, oh, the first initial moment where you get on stage and just do my thing. Because I had noticed that at first the, the fear and anxiety took me where my stomach was flip-flopping. And I was like, oh, oh I got to go to the bathroom. And so mm -hmm. I go in the bathroom and you really don't got to go. It's just your stomach freaking out. But if you go in that bathroom, you ain't coming out. <laughs> so <laughs> you never coming out. So I was like, okay, that's what my body's ignore Ignore it. It's not real. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just different things and different ways. And I think different ways that your body tries to reroute and figure out how to cope with the situation because yeah. audiences get bigger and bigger and bigger. The more you do, you know, and yeah. then suddenly you're in front of 
thousands and oceans of people and they're all looking at you and you come out like, hello guys. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. It's one of the things I used to talk in a really high voice, but it's, my natural voice is pretty high. But when you get nervous, well, when I got nervous, it got just a little bit higher and I'd be like, Hey everybody. And my mom was like, I can't understand you. You can't talk with the high voice. I had to learn to, to lower it and relax and try to ground it and speak a little lower than I would normally speak. Right. Otherwise I wasn't being understood. I could be saying the coolest stuff and the audience be like, what? what you say <laughs> whatever, yeah. you know, like you'll lose your audience if you're not connecting with them. If they can't hear you, you're still not connecting with them. It doesn't matter if the sound is right. You're not connecting. Yeah. So you said, you know, you had to keep doing it to be able to build that confidence. So yes. I always say that your, your confidence is built through your competence. So I know for me, the first time I do something, I'm terrified because I've never done it before. Right. And then mm. you start to do a little bit more and you get anxious, but you're not fully comfortable in it. Right. Cause it's change. And then mm -hmm. once you start doing it over and over again, because you know what you're doing, it helps you to build that confidence in what you're doing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I love that. I love yeah. that. You're bang on with that. <laughs> Did I use that? Is it copywritten? Yeah, no, go ahead. Go use it. Use it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I don't even know where I got it from. <laughs> <laughs> so one more time for the kids in the back. Your confidence is built through your competence. Yeah, like even as you were speaking about the anxiety, so I was diagnosed with anxiety back in 2006 or eight, I can't remember. But I can totally relate to everything you're saying about, you know, your stomach turning and, you know, flip flopping and you feel like you have to go to the bathroom. Like I still get that even just before I go to record every single podcast episode, even though I've been doing this for like 200 episodes now. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that anxiety. I 100% know. Right? Sorry to I, yes, I 100% it. know. It took a long time. To, to get over that and to yeah. realize kind of what's happening. And I think once I got a little bit of acceptance and then I realized you don't have to go to bed, just calm down. It's okay. Try to talk yourself down mentally. Mm -hmm. And even if you have to do it out loud, who cares? Cause you got a job to do. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's judging you, who cares? Judge them back. <laughs> so what advice would you give to a woman that's listening right now? That's struggling with anxiety burn a bay leaf or two or 10, burn the whole bag. It helps you relax, have a tea. Um, just, you know, listen to some, uh, I was going to say self-help video, um, not video, well, videos, if they're on YouTube, you know what I mean? Anything that's giving you positive messages and positive affirmations, you have to be comfortable within your own skin and realize that you are your best. You, you're perfect the way you are. You're beautiful. You're one of a kind and you have something to offer that nobody else does. Okay. So I love that last part. You have something to offer that nobody else does, especially because 95% of the women that I coach or people that I coach are women. And we all seem to struggle with that self image or that, that little voice inside that makes us feel like we're not enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's reminding women that the world would not be the same place without you that you matter. If you were not here, the world would be a completely different place. You know, they talk about the butterfly effect, you know, a butterfly fly flapping its wings in some other part of the world, how it affects, you know, whether it's the weather or whatever on the other side of the world, like our energy and who we are totally matters. So I love that last part of what you said. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> it was just a moment. I don't know what I said. <laughs> 
Okay, so tell us how you got to where you are today. Like walk us through, I guess, the Coles Notes version of how you got to where you are presently. Okay, well, we can go back to my first album, and the song was called Where I'm Going. And I wrote, uh, I'm going to get to where I'm going, slowly but surely I'm going to. And every once in a while, I look back, and I wish that instead of slowly but surely, I said really, really fast. You know, (laughs) words have power, and you have to realize that words really do have power. Going back to self-confidence, if you say, oh, I feel uglier, I look ugly, I don't like my eyebrows, I don't, you know, words have power. And you have to embrace who you are and what you have and your journey because it's part of progressing and moving forward in life in general, not just in your job or, you know, whatever else is going on in your life, your relationship. You just got to be yourself and take your time and embrace each moment because life is a journey mm-hmm. and, and success is a journey, not a destination. That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> success is a journey, not a destination. So you have to stop and smell the flowers, and realize where you are right now. A lot of people try to look to the future or be upset about the past, and you have no control over any of that. If that's already happened, you have no control. You only Mm -hmm. have what's going on now, and and the steps of now take you into later. So if you want to be happy with later, embrace the now. Love it. Did I, I get off it. topic? I'm so sorry. <laughs> what was the question? I told you you have to tell me to be quiet. No, it's all good. Like, honestly, everything you just said, like, I can totally resonate with. And even when you said words have power, I'm a huge believer in affirmations. And, you know, sometimes we not we may not believe the words as we're saying it. But if you repeat it enough, because our subconscious mind can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not. So you can basically trick yourself into believing things using words, right? So sometimes we say these negative things or we say, I'm going to say these unhealthy things, not realizing how much power our words have. So when you said that words have power, it made me think about a podcast episode that I listened to. I think it was Jay Shetty and I can't remember who he was interviewing, but I think she was a model or an actress. And she was talking about what she learned from her mom as, at a young age about the power of uh, positive words and positive self-talk. And her mother, you know, was into, I'm going to say, different beliefs. So, you know, mixing Buddhist beliefs with Christian beliefs and Muslim beliefs. So she was, you know, believed different parts of everything. And she taught her daughter that the reason that words have power, she was saying that that's why it's called spells. Because yes. it's spelling right it's it's words that's right you when you write it down power. you're spelling that's yes. right the, the power it's in the bible words. yes there we go yes <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> a total light moment you brought me right back yes <laughs> right and actually if you go back to remember in the schoolyard sticks and stones will break my bones but names will never hurt me mm-hmm. it's not true, it's not true. it was yeah. the, a defense mechanism that was totally false yes. that they tried to have us believing you know yeah but, you know, as soon as the kid says, oh, you're this or you're that, you totally fall to pieces. Exactly. You know, you're ugly on sticks and stones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're falling right? apart, right? But you're like, I'm going to say this nursery rhyme that's not really making me feel better. But 
Right. <laughs> we, well, there's it. a lot that we had to unlearn that we learned as kids, right? The yes. things that we were were taught to try to make us act or, or do differently that wasn't yes. true. And I like when you just said even that example you just used, it's like I'm totally resonating with you this morning because I actually tweeted that maybe a month or so ago about the sticks and stones thing not being true because words do have power. Yes, like, they do. I remember one of my daughters as a little girl, I think maybe in grade two or three, came home from school crying because some girl at school called her the B word. And it hurt her so deeply. And I was like, well, are you? And she's mm-hmm. like, no. And I said, then don't give her that power, the power you know, yeah. over, over you to, to label you anything that you're not. But words do have power. They affect how we feel. 100%. Isn't it the worst when your kid comes home crying and you have to undo the mess that was done at school? Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I say, kids are brutal. Yeah. Actually, I have a daughter. And um, when she came home from school that, and kids were trying to bother her or bully her, I taught her how to freestyle poems and raps and make up stuff on the second. Because mm-hmm. we had been singing and stuff like that at home for no reason. I freestyled to her. She's like, I don't want to clean my room. It's like, you better do it. you know. <laughs> so that was normal for us. So I taught her how to put that into it. like, now she's dangerous. <laughs> we'll come back. Like, oh, yeah, you don't want to mess with me. <laughs> She sings it. too. She sings. She raps. She insults. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so we're talking about words have power. So, what would you yes. say your superpower is? Loving, loving mm. people. I don't mean a romantically loving people. I just mean loving wow. people who are genuine. Yes, and who who are genuine to you, who uplift you, who. You could just see that they're a good person and their aura is filling the room. You could just see them. They're glowing and they're yeah. so nice and kind to you. You just want to give them kindness. It's like yes. you you just want to help them. It's like, okay, what what's ailing you? Because I'm a superhero. I could fix anything. And I don't mean flying in this and that. It's like, okay, I'll help you organize your stuff. I'll help you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm a helper. I'm an empath. I know it. And it's a bad thing and a good thing altogether. I mean, I think that it's a good thing, but certain personalities will take advantage of you because they see your kindness and they want to bask in your light. So they will take advantage of you and try to take it from you. But we always have to remember that your light belongs to you. Yes. Nobody can take it from you. They could try to cast a shadow on it, but you're the light. Yes. So you're going to drown their shadow out. Be good to yourself. Stay true to yourself. Don't let somebody hurting you make you act differently because they've won. Yes. Just realize that that person doesn't deserve to stand in your light. Mm. And that's yeah. what I've learned in life to this day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, that's why I'm saying I'm resonating completely with you this morning. Like everything you're saying, I can totally relate. And I know that the women listening are going to be able to to relate because I feel like a lot of the women that listen are very similar to myself. And I'm listening to you now. I'm like, yes, I'm an empath too. Yes. Like I'm introverted too. Yes. Like I get it. I I totally get you. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So how do you stay motivated? That's really hard. And that's a loaded question because I'm not always motivated. I mean, that's actually not true. I'm not always motivated to write music, but I might be motivated to do my hair. I might be motivated to style an outfit or to clean the kitchen or to clean my room or reorganize my closet. You know what I mean? So it just depends on um, what's motivating me within the moment. Mm -hmm. So going back to the question, did you mean motivate me musically to work? 
I guess maybe in general, because you're a beautiful spirit. I can see that like you're beautiful inside and out. So sometimes, you. you know, life may come at us and we don't know how to deal. And then we get defeated and we're, you know, we go into this mode and stay in this depressive state, but I can see the inner beauty in you and your superpower being love. Like, how do you stay motivated? What keeps you going? I think love also keeps me motivated. When, when you feel down or disappointed by somebody and say your child comes in and says, oh, mommy, I love you, you know, or they don't even have to say anything. They just do something and you look at them and you see, you see their reflection of yourself or your maid or your mom, somebody in your family. And you're just looking at them like, look how far you've come. There's things that'll take your mind out of the negative and into the positive, which mm-hmm. goes back to me saying, live in the now. When you're feeling crappy, live in the now, take it in, drink it in, smell the flowers, right? Because there's as much as there might be something bad happening, there's so many good things around. So I try to embrace the good things when, when I'm thinking positively, like nobody's perfect. Of course, you're going to have the moments of, you know, oh, my eyebrows came out wrong. My nails busted. (laughs) I'm mad. You know, everything's going wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But like those things are superficial, like in, in, realistically in the now I'm alive. I'm healthy. I still have eyelashes, even though we've been in quarantine for two years. Yay. To stock it up on eyelashes. <laughs> I've made it. I've still got a bucket, but um, <laughs> embrace the positive, right? We went into lockdown, whatnot. I organized the canteen. I organized the, the cupboard there. I organized the linen closet. Everything's folded. It's perfect. I did this room which was a bomb before and it's only half a bomb now. So (laughs) so you can only see the good side, but perception is everything, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So tell us how has your journey changed since the pandemic? Has it affected your, your purpose? Like I I know you love to sing and we talked about you, um, you know, traveling, not being the same and, and things like that, but how has it affected you in general? I miss the audiences. I'm actually, I've had withdrawal. I didn't really, like the pandemic itself has been no thing. It's been a cakewalk for me. I'm a hermit. I don't go anywhere anyway. They're like, stay home. I'm like, okay, you got to tell me twice. (laughs) No problem. And I don't really go out here and there anyways. Like, and I can cook. I can cook anything that I've ever tasted as long as I know what the ingredients kind of are by taste buds, not by labels. Yeah. It's like, oh, and, and I'll keep adjusting the flavors until it's right. And that's anything I've ever tasted. Not to toot my own horn, but to toot, toot, toot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to mention my roti that came out wrong yesterday, but (laughs) it's okay. Trial and error. Keep going. The curry was banging. But um, I've just had withdrawal from the energy that you get back from, you know, giving an audience a great show and they're screaming and they're like, freaking out in in a positive way because they're having so much fun. When they're having fun, I'm having fun. And I've seen people crying and I've cried with them because they're so Mm -hmm. moved. Now I'm moved. It's because of the sharing of energy, right? Yeah. But um, missing the shows and and kind of feeling depressed, especially when the sun was gone. People get depressed. And like I said, vitamin D and the lamp and stuff like that. That's all personal experience stuff that helped me realize. And I try to watch comedies and like I said, do positive affirmations and remember to sing around the house. Do something that you love. It's going to make you feel better. You love it for a reason. And I didn't realize that I had stopped singing for myself, like Mm. for myself, to myself, in the shower, in the house, you know? So I had to kind of tune back into that. I still have to. 
But um, writing the album and getting full hands-on in it and with the artwork and um, styling myself and doing my own makeup and my own hair. And my mom helped me with these things. But um, yeah, when you got time, make sure you pay attention to yourself because all these things come back to feeling good about yourself. You know you feel good when you get your hair done. You know yeah. you feel good when you do your nails. But these little things make you, like when you pass by the mirror, like, hello, okay, there you are. But yeah. if you don't do these things and you're in the house and you're just passing by the mirror with your head bonnet on and a robe and whatever, and you catch a glimpse, you're like, oh my goodness. And then <laughs> it's you're going downhill from there because yeah. you're judging yourself. You're, you haven't done nothing to fix it. Come yeah. on. Come on, sis, pull it together. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like even I had a girlfriend online dress up in her. She's an entertainer, right? Dress up in a full gown and do a video because she was taking out the garbage. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to put on a sequins gown to take out the garbage too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, I'm going to say we underestimate the importance of showing that same love and attention to ourselves that we show to other people. You know, yes. you talked about your superpower being love. Like everybody wants to feel loved, right? We all yes. need that. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't force my beliefs on anybody, but I'm, I'm going to say I'm a believer. So, you know, when they, the, the 10 commandments of like, love God and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, in between that is to love yourself. Right? Yes. We, mm-hmm. we dedicate all this time getting to know other people and to love other people and to know what their likes and dislikes are and, you know, what makes them tick. But then we don't put that same love and attention on ourselves. So 100%. I totally, totally hear what you're saying about, you know, just loving on yourself and doing the things that make you feel good. Like, I'm going to say, I, I don't think on any scale that I can sing at all, but in the shower, you know, I'm a nine out of 10 and I sing to feel good when I'm in the shower. <laughs> I play, you know, uplifting music that makes me feel good. Um, just taking care of myself. And just like you, I'm, I'm a hermit. I prefer to stay home, but I make sure like every two weeks, you know, I'm getting my hair done and, you know, doing stuff nice. that makes me feel good. So yes. I totally relate to what you're saying. It's so important. And I feel like when the pandemic started, a lot of us forgot about that because we were too busy hiding and hand sanitizing and wrapping our heads up in bags and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff that we've been told since kindergarten is not good for us. Remember the, okay, you need to breathe and the plants breathe out this and we breathe in this. So it's like, if we're going to cover our faces all the time, should there not be a plant in the mask there? Like to help us breathe? Carbon dioxide. Come on, man. Yep. Yep. Come on. I get it. All of that is weakening our immune systems. So we we don't want to get all into that, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Okay. So tell us when and where are you the happiest? Oh, when and where? On stage. On stage, when I'm singing, when I'm in my element, that's when I feel the best. Honestly, like at the end of a performance and everybody's clapping and, and enjoying or standing or crying, that is the best. There is no feeling better than that. I've had certain people ask, well, not me, but ask my mom, like, when are you going to retire? And she's like, retire? You don't retire from something you love. She goes, go ask the Stones when they're going to retire. They never get, they're going to die on stage because they love it so much. And that's not to disrespect them. That is homage and respect to their craft and their, it's, they're not looking at what are we making? What are we, they're like, no, we're going to rock tonight. They go to the smallest pubs and bars in the world. Just to perform for a second for the surprise, we're here. We don't need money, but how you doing? Right? It's like it's like a sanity check on their fans. (laughs) It's like, are you guys dead yet? Because we're not ready to rock. (laughs) Let's go. 
right? Yeah. Like even Tina Turner finally retired. And the only reason she did is because her show takes a lot of energy, mm-hmm. a lot. And um, to, to, to carry that energy over, you have to go into your second mode. You have to uh, reserve a little bit from the first set or song or wherever you're at. The songs are so exciting. It's so hard to not freak out, you know, and the audience is freaking out. You're really, you're freaking out inside, but it's like, okay, don't make it so you can't sing and dance anymore. You can't stop and huff and puff and hold your back and say, give me, (laughs) give me two seconds. Wait, Right. So when she called for her second win, she said it was more and more difficult to get that second win. And you know what? I would never have understood what she was talking about if we did not do a Tina Turner tribute show, because I've gotten the thing where I've freaked right out and had to pretend that I'm not tired. (laughs) (laughs) The adrenaline. Yes, the adrenaline is so powerful that you can't control it. You just go where the energy is taking you. You go where the audience energy is taking you and the band's driving and everybody is um, uh, thriving and and flourishing off of the energy swirling around the room. And it's so beautiful. So when you say, what do I miss? That's what I miss. And that's Mm -hmm. the best way I could describe it. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about your new single, Bait and Switch. Tell us like what inspired that song. Um, that song is, uh, inspired off of a narcissistic personality disorder and from a victim standpoint, (laughs) I think we all have, but, um, it's not necessarily, well, this is a relationship scenario. Yes. But narcissists come in all forms and shapes and sizes, colors, Mm -hmm. everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So it could be your mom, your kid, your man, your grandfather, your grandmother, your auntie, your uncle, your cousin. It could be any of them anybody your your friend anybody right yeah. um and i have found that uh, i'm i'm kind of a magnet to these weirdos you're narcissist because yeah. i'm an empath but like yeah. i said i enjoy helping people but when you keep helping someone let's just say someone we'll narrow it down to one person and it becomes expected instead of appreciated and they do little things like you go for lunch and you're say you're at mcdonald's just you know mcdonald's and you're standing there and you're trying to figure out your order. And instead of them ordering their food, they're trying to stand behind you because they want like you to pay for them. It's body language, right? And then you feel obligated. It's like, oh, I'll take care of it. But that, that's no problem. It's Dan McDonald's. But okay, after the 50th times, it's like, you're an adult. I'm not your mom. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. <clears throat> Sense of entitlement. I'm not your mom. Yes. Yep. Selfish entitlement. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, um, yeah, I, uh, after I kind of started realizing what was going on, I had to actually Google why people won't take no for an answer. And when I Googled that, I went down the rabbit hole of Google and narcissistic personality disorder popped up and narcissistic abuse popped up. And it made me realize about the anxiety I was getting from people pleasing certain people. And that's the thing. You can recognize the kind of narcissist person when they'll ask you the same question over and over because you've said no the first time. Yeah. So they'll ask it to you again, different ways to try to get you to do what they want. So people have to learn to take no for an answer, but us empaths have to learn to say no without explanation. Healthy boundaries. That Yes, exactly. Yeah. That way they stop asking. But um, growing up, you'd think that no was good enough. No is no because it's no. 
why mm-hmm. do you keep representing this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They expect you to pay for them. They will steal from you in a heartbeat and feel entitled yeah. to it. You owe me. You owe me. Why do I owe you? What do I owe you? And yeah. and how have you come to this? And why are you trying to convince me when I don't feel like I owe you anything? I've done enough. I did enough. And now I'm actually done. There's no more. It's over. Right. Yeah. But they can't accept that because they want to control you mentally, physically, what telling you what they think you should be doing with your time. It's all about and power like, and control with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's psychotic. And narcissistic yeah. personality disorder is one of the only disorders that the victim goes to therapy because the narcissist will never yeah, go. Never. Yeah. Never because they'll discredit the therapist. They'll yeah. tell you you're crazy. The gaslighting. <laughs> gaslighting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, obviously, you're very familiar with this. But you did <laughs> say you, you coach, right? I, I do coaching, um, but I had to do my own healing from, I'm going to say, multiple uh, relationships with complete narcissists. And on my healing journey, discovered that narcs are attracted to empaths because yes, they they're attracted to people with strong qualities that they can emulate because they don't have an identity of their own. That's right. right. They they don't have the ability to feel that empathy. So they want to mirror yours. They're attracted to people pleasers because it feeds their need for attention. And Mm -hmm. empaths, us, where we grew up to be people pleasers because we started out as being parent pleasers, right? So you know what? Uh, I would say that um, because my mom's an entertainer from the age of, was it five? Five till about 14. I lived with a babysitter. Mm. and you know my mom would come and visit and she'd call me and whatever and um we would spend time together when she wasn't on the road right full-time singer musician so my babysitter was the one guardian yeah yes 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 yeah and it's like I didn't realize until like I said I went down the rabbit hole of looking for why people won't take no for an answer and then I had to realize within my childhood the things that I've experienced and the things that, that she had to try to rewire because I was already wired a certain way, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, she had to try to undo that. But which is why when when I finally got back to my mom, she had to try to fix what had been undone. Yeah. Suddenly I was shy and I was scared and I was, you know, yeah, because of what I had endured. But who who knew that the babysitter was a narcissist? Yeah. yeah. I didn't even figure it out until I started reading all this stuff. And I'm a full blown adult. Yeah. A lot of us don't realize until, well, if it, when it comes to relationships, most people don't realize while they're in it, they notice it when they come out of it. And a lot of us adults who have experienced it don't realize it until now, because now we have that awareness and, and the, mm-hmm. the knowledge and all of those things. But you look back and you look at, like you said before, whether it be a caregiver or a parent or an aunt or an uncle, you, when you become aware of the characteristics, then you mm-hmm. can reevaluate those personalities and be like, oh my goodness. Like, mm-hmm. and as much as narcissistic personality disorder is a actual diagnosis, 99% mm-hmm. of them will never be diagnosed because like you said, they won't go for the help because they think there's nothing wrong with them. That's so right, it's right. usually those of us that have experienced the narc abuse who have seen it up close because to the outside world, they have, you know, this they're wonderful. Of, of the, they're great, right? They're charismatic. <laughs> they have this perfect, wonderful personality to everybody else but it's those that are closest to them that see when the mask comes off. That's right. And that's where bait and switch comes in because uh, they bait you by being super sweet and kind and, and love bombing you, you know, mm-hmm. like everything's perfect. You can't do no wrong. And then when they switch into their real self, 
and they start uh, devaluing you and disrespecting you. And, you know, they're approaching the discard, right? Yeah. Because either they found somebody else who they've decided, oh, that person's new better. But it's like yep. new source of supply, right? Yep. Somebody who can't see them, somebody who can't call or doesn't call them on their stuff because they don't realize yet. Right. 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 So now you're the problem. And it's like, yep. oh, okay. So that's, that's where bait and switch came from. I love and I'll it. be getting sick at the end of it. So you could just forget about your Valentine and you could stick that where the sun don't shine. Where the sun don't shine. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that now, now that I know the meaning of the song and where that came from, that is going to be my new anthem. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Enjoy it, please. I, I enjoy it. singing it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, and that goes back to enjoying my craft again. So I think this album was healing for me to write because of all the research that I did. And I never intended to make like an entire album about narcissistic personality disorder or abuse or whatever, but it's what it turned into. I think it's like one song or two songs that aren't really about that, mm-hmm. but um, there's just so much to know and so much to learn. And, you know, I found myself uh, a storytelling about it and it's different situations compiled into separate little stories. Like yeah. none of the stories are like 100% about me and what I've gone through, like in a whole, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. stories of things that I've experienced and we've all had good girlfriends and we've seen falling apart and the guy does something crazy and she's trying to accept it and, and feel and figure out how to feel herself again after mm-hmm. enduring this. And it's like, now we know that was a narcissist. He's sucking yeah. all your energy. It's not yeah. your fault. Energy you vampires. So it goes back to, to look at yourself. Look at yourself. Search in yourself. Put your makeup on. Do your nails. Feel good about yourself because that's going to start you feeling yeah. better in a hole from the jump. And then it's Absolutely. just going to get better and better and better from there. Absolutely. I 1000% agree. You know, after I went on my healing journey, I had to really delve deep into self-care. And that's where I, you know, ended up creating this really uh, intense self-care routine that I do every single day that's like broken down into mind, body and soul. And when people are like, you do all of that in a day, like, yeah. And they're like, how do you you know that sounds like a luxury? How do you find that kind of time? And it's like, I had to learn to invest in me and to set healthy boundaries and make myself a priority because I was allowing these narcissists to have power over me. And now Mm -hmm. that I've taken my power back, Mm -hmm. I plan on keeping it. (laughs) Good. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you. Like, like I said, bait and switch is now going to be my new anthem. So (laughs) thank you. Have you heard listen? No, not yet. <laughs> oh, please check out Listen. It's the first song off of my album, Where I'm At. Uh, we shot a video for it, directed by me. Hello. Awesome. Um, <laughs> thank you. I, I had help. I had help. I didn't, you know, nobody do, does anything by themselves, even though with the pandemic, you know, uh, I had to do hair, makeup, all this stuff. And um, I had to write this treatment and whatnot. And my manager helped me do that. Um, he helps me keep me organized, which is really great. And uh, tries to motivate me. Like, come on, Mello. It's like, oh, man, can you leave me alone? <laughs> Don't answer the phone. Don't answer the phone. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's stressful, stressful moments and stuff. But you know what? There's nothing better than watching an idea come from being in your head to mm-hmm. being physical where you can see it, hear it, share it. Other people can hear it and see it. It's yeah. so exciting. It brings me back to the first time I ever heard my song being played on the radio 
and it was coming from somebody else's car. And I had to wind down my window like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's coming from somebody else's car. It's not just me blasting my demo, you know? So yeah, it's so exciting. And it's like confirmation that I'm on the right path. It's confirmation that other people will appreciate your compliment, uh, accomplishments and enjoy the things that you enjoy. You know, yeah. you attract like-minded people with the things that you create. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of being an individual. And that's the beauty of you being you, me being me, us all being individuals and bringing something to the table that nobody else has to offer. I love, you know, and I love what you just, what you said at the beginning about that idea that you had in your head and watching it come to life because everything happens twice, right? First, it happens in our, our visual and yes. for people who are spiritual, it happens in the spiritual first, right? There's that image that needs to be created first. Mm-hmm. And then if you can create it in your mind, you can make that a reality. Because once yes. you've created it in your mind, it now brings it from a fantasy or or whatever to now a possibility. Exactly. And then it can happen in real life. So I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. I'm having <laughs> such a good time with you. You're my new best friend. I'm your new I got you. <laughs> <laughs> totally resonate with everything you're saying. <laughs> I feel you. So, okay, before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they could stay connected with you online. Oh, you can find me at melaniedurant.com. All my social handles are there, including like my YouTube, it's Melanie Durant. My <laughs> Instagram, Melanie Durant. Facebook, Melanie Durant Music. Or if you just want to be my Facebook friend and follow, it's just Melanie Durant. But uh, yeah, you can follow me on Spotify, uh, Apple Music. But like I said, to make it simple, Go to melaniedurant.com and you'll find the links to everything. Awesome. So I will have the direct links to your website and all your socials in the detailed section of the episode so they can just click and connect with you directly. Excellent. Awesome. Okay. So for the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. It's almost like a rapid fire, but I seem to like break my own rules all the time. So (laughs) (laughs) so you can answer whether it be one word or one sentence. Sometimes I may ask you to unpack. Okay. All right. Let's try it. (laughs) <laughs> okay, let's go. Um, how has motherhood changed you? Ooh, it taught me things that I was not thinking about, but you don't think about things the same way when it's just you. When you have another person who's looking out for or who you're looking after and that's your responsibility, it it broadens your horizons in so many different ways. You want to protect them. You want to nurture them. You want to teach them. You want to groom them. You want, and, and I just mean like hair and clothes and, you know, make sure the perfect nose is not running, but it's just it's attention to detail. And, and it just opened up my world of love and made my love stronger. It made my aura stronger, brighter. I'm so in love with my daughter. Uh, and she's such a gift and so amazing. She wows me every day. And yeah, so I I, I, I hope I answered the question. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay. What failure has taught you the most about life? That's a hard one. I would, the first thing that pops in my mind is when I was signed to Motown, I ended up getting shelved and that was really kind of devastating because it, feel, it felt like I was being invalidated. It felt like I was being told I wasn't good enough, which mm-hmm. was really devastating. You know, I mm-hmm. cried a bit in the shower. Honestly, I did. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, before I even signed my contract, I asked, how do I get out of it? And my lawyer slowly looked up from the paperwork and said, you're smart. And I said, oh, well, thank you. But how do I get out of it? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not signing that. And 
what what are the consequences? You know right. what I mean? So, I mean, I ultimately did sign and I ultimately did get shelved, which is what I was uh, afraid of in the first place. But because I asked the question from the jump, I knew what to do next. Mm. So wow. it did teach me that I, I don't necessarily need a label. They're not validating me. They signed me and, and shelved me. So actually, I think that meant, if anything, I was in the way of something else they wanted to put out. And I was going to cast my light too brightly and overshadow that. So they paid me to go sit down. Wow. So wow. as much as, as that would make me, that made me feel invalidated at the time. Ultimately, that was validation. It's like, you're badass. Go sit down. Here's some money. <laughs> right? Mm, right? So it's pers- going back perspective. Yeah. All over again. What's your perspective? And where is where are you sitting mentally? Are you in the oh I'm devastated? Or wow, I'm a queen. Yeah. I'm a queen. That was empowerment. That yeah. was a lot of money too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, wow. it's all in how you look at it. So that was that was a, a big lesson. As for was it was it the best uh, the hardest lesson in life? I, I don't know. Probably not. But mm-hmm. because you know, music is so important to me and, and doing a show with my mom where we do Diana Ross and the Supremes and a whole bunch of Motown legends, yeah. the legendary ladies of soul. When they called, when Motown called me to sign me in the first place, so excited. I felt so validated. So, yeah. to, you know, to, to kind of be shelved, I felt invalidated and wow. violated. <laughs> I can't even imagine. And like you were right? what the first Canadian artist to be signed to the Motown label? I can't say yes, but um, I read maybe. that somewhere. That's why I was. <laughs> I do, I've, I'm such a hermit, like I said before. <laughs> I don't go out. I don't know what other people are doing. I really was trying to concentrate on what I'm doing, and a lot yeah. of times I'm told, "Hey, Mellow, that's my nickname. Mellow, get a look around at what's going on and stop focusing on you." But it's like, why? Why? <laughs> right? Because then that causes people to compare and then you feel less of yourself instead of being your authentic self and doing what you truly desire to do on the inside rather exactly. than being influenced by what other people are doing. Exactly. I mean, there's no problem with going to check and, you know, enjoying and whatever, but going to check to compete or to see if you're whatever, you know, is up to par. Yeah. No, that's already on a down. That's yeah. already a negative, you know? Yeah. No, whatever you're doing, you're doing it from your heart. You're you're motivated. You feel good about it. You're on the right path. Keep going. Don't watch yeah. what everybody else is doing. Love it. Love it. Okay. So on that note, what impact do you want to make on the world? Upon writing this album, I wanted to make music that people could relate to. I wanted to make music that could resonate with others and that they felt connected to. So to make music that I felt connected to in the first place, because as we were talking about, it all starts with yourself. It all starts here look around, embrace, smell the flowers and deliver the message. So I feel like that's what I did. I feel so happy about it. This is my best work yet. I believe this album is a listen from top to bottom, no fillers. And I got inspired for this in the first place because 20 years ago I was in a musical called Rent and um, we toured Canada for a year. And in the last month, um, Divine Brown went Mm -hmm. on uh, Matt Leaf. And they had auditioned right across Canada. And uh, so they started looking within the States and uh, who they hired ended up being Jill Scott. And we became very good friends. And she put me on to the miseducation of Lauren Hill. And we would listen to that and go to work every day. We'd walk to work and sing and, you know, and it's like, whoa, what an experience 
So, I mean, you know, Jill Scott puts out amazing music yes. and beautiful stuff. At the time, she hadn't put out anything. She wasn't, like, officially Jill Scott that we all know. I mean, yeah. even though she's she's Jill, yeah. she's always going to be Jill. But yeah. who would have thought, right? <laughs> right? It gave me a higher standard for my music and for writing. And I hadn't even put out anything yet. But as a singer, I've always been able to sing, remember, from kindergarten and stuff like that. Yeah. But nobody's going to hand you something. You don't get Whitney Houston's writers. You don't get, you know what I mean? You got to yeah. figure it out yourself. So I started just trying to write anything because yeah. it's like, okay, I can sing. What are you going to do about it? You got to create your own avenues and stuff like that. You know, like where covers going to take you? I don't know. So yeah. I wrote my own album. I love doing it and I love the experience, but I can see the growth from album to album. I can hear the growth. You could feel it within the storytelling. It's like, finally, I did what I was trying to do, you know? Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I feel so empowered and grateful and excited to see what's next. And I'm just hoping that I can get this album out to, to enough people to hear it, to appreciate it, to stream it on Spotify, buy it. If you want, I got a limited edition vinyl. I know this is just a, they can't see, but you could see. Love it. I can see it. I love yes. It. <laughs> I'm so proud of it. And you know what, if it, if by chance, actually we're tough hours. No, I'm proud of it. And I have to look within me and that's what I'm going to say. I love it. Thank Last you. but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Embrace each other. Embrace each other. You know, we should be the woman gang, gang, yes. gang, gang. Yes. And there should be no men to stand between us or to pit us against each other or to, you know, I want all women to fix each other's crowns. Yes. I love it. Melanie, thank you so much. Like Gang, gang, gang. <laughs> <laughs> I even love that you said that. That's the name of my group chat with my kids. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I totally resonate with everything you've said today. I love the inspiration for your new album. I think everybody needs to go out and listen. I just want to thank you for just sharing space with me today and, and sharing your wisdom with the ladies that are listening. Like, I truly, truly appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. I, I hope I didn't talk through everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> I told you. This is your time. This is about you. <laughs> this is all about you, girl. <laughs> Thank you. And you didn't even tell me shut up once. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't. I won't do that. Like, your voice matters. Your story matters. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. And to all of you legacy leavers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And I want to thank each and every single one of you that continue to listen each week that help us to rank uh, globally in top charts all over the world, especially being the top 1.5% most popular show out of over 2.7 million podcasts. So thank you. And if you could think of, I'm challenging you to three women right now. If you could think of three women that would receive value from hearing Melanie's story, please share it with them. Feel free to share this week's episode on social media and you can tag both Melanie and myself and let us know what resonated with you. You can tag Melanie at Melanie Durant. You can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.